0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Track. I want us to take a moment, and I'm gonna, I am going gonna—I want us to pray for Mexico right now, okay? Just jump into that place of intercession. I feel that, and I'm going to pray. And Jackie, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you to come pray with me. I'll pray in English, and then you pray in Spanish for Mexico, if, if you don't mind, okay? So can we do that? Can we just engage right now? How many of you want to see those testimonies that are happening in Mexico, in Kentucky, right? So let's sow seeds of intercession into Mexico right now. Let's do that. Come on, let's join in and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you on behalf of Mexico, and we just ask God for revival and awakening to hit Mexico. God, we're so thankful for these signs and wonders and and these testimonies, God, of what you're doing in Mexico. And so we just declare Mexico ablaze for Jesus. Mexico set on fire for Jesus. God, we're asking, Lord, that, that you would continue to open blind eyes, that you would continue, God, to give give uh give give hearing to the deaf, God, that you would continue to let the lame walk. God, we're asking for salvations. God, I pray for the churches in Mexico right now that you would strengthen them in their inner man, that you would give them a grace, God, to be able to handle the harvest that is coming. Lord, we just speak harvest to Mexico in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for the seeds that have been sown for awakening. So we say, let awakening come to Mexico in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Spirit sweep through that nation right now God I pray for rekindled passion for pastors and leaders God I pray that you would raise up apostolic revival communities in Mexico God that you would give them a divine revelation of what family looks like Lord that you would open the doors God we pray God that any any human trafficking that's happening in Mexico would be shut down in the name of Jesus that you would release justice into that place we bless you God and we We exalt you, and we say we want to see you exalted in Mexico in Jesus' name.
1: Padre en el nombre de Cristo Jesús de Nazaret maravilloso Dios Jehová nos unimos en tu nombre Jehová Dios de cielo y presentamos Señor el país de México Espíritu Santo o oh, solamente tú puedes visitar Espíritu Santo levanta el caído da fuerza aquel que no tiene ninguna levanta tu iglesia Jehová reprendemos toda idolatría pedimos Señor que tu Espíritu Santo ministre las vidas a los corazones Espíritu de Dios tú estás trabajando a favor de tu pueblo Jehová hay mucha gente Dios de cielo aleluya en México que no ha doblado su rodilla delante de Baal y a causa de los fieles Jehová tú vas a seguir ministrando el resto del país de México, Espíritu Santo Jehová, sabemos que tú eres Dios del cielo y que es desde el principio Jehová y que es tu voluntad que todas las almas vengan a tus pies Espíritu Santo clamamos la sangre de Cristo Jehová y declaramos bendición hasta que sobreabunde Jehová decimos que México viene a los pies de Cristo, que el Espíritu Santo de Dios los guarda, los protege los cubre Jehová y que el Propósito tuyo, Señor, se cumple en el país de México. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén y Amén y Amén. Aleluya.
0: Gracias. God, we just pray that that you wouldn't stop with Mexico, that, that revival would blaze through all of South America right now, God. We just, God, we pray that you would rekindle the revivals, God, that have been in South America. God, I'm asking for revival to be released throughout that whole continent, God. Lord, give us faith to believe that nations can be saved in a day. God, give us faith to believe that nations can be shaken in a day for the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to release fire on South America in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that our words are powerful. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that your
2: ear is not deaf and your arm is not shortened, but you hear us. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We bless you. You're forever faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know of a better introduction into what I want to
0: talk with you guys about for a few minutes this morning. Uh, Last week, I'm I'm just going to give a little bit of review Last week we uh, jumped into the book of Nehemiah and uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 and went, went, went through a, a whole lot of things, and, and there were several things that, that we uncovered. Uh, first of all, the fact that the enemy, when he wants to fight, he often starts with making fun of the body of Christ, mockery. He starts with mockery. Story after story after story in the Bible is, is, is written, and the enemy is mocking the children of Israel for, um, their devotion to Jehovah. And, and so, uh, it's a primary tactic that the enemy uses and he uses arrows of embarrassment and shame and condemnation. And, um, so, so we, we find that the enemy's doing that in, in Nehemiah chapter four. And, um, so, so hopefully you guys have been studying that Uh, for the last little bit, the book of Nehemiah. And um, the reason we're talking about this is because I believe that the transition that awakening is in right now lines up with the prophetic timetable that Nehemiah was going through. He finished the wall in 52 days, and that wall was finished October the 2nd. And so uh, we we have often um, found in our lives that transition happens right around that time right around uh, the start of the Jewish feast, which happens in early fall. And, and so um, just, just really interesting, the timetable that we're in. And so um, <clears throat> we, we, we talked about how the enemy wants to use mockery, and he wants to bring confusion. And, and there's three things that Nehemiah says in chapter 4 that I really want us to grab onto. We talked about this last week. The first one is don't be afraid of the enemy, don't be afraid of the enemy. The enemy wants to bring confusion, and we partner with that when we're afraid of an enemy that's already defeated. Are you with me? We partner with confusion when we are afraid or allow fear to come in from an enemy that is already defeated. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. It's already happened. We, we, either, believe, we either believe that Jesus... Did it on the cross or we don't. Right? And, and and so his blood was enough. His blood is enough, and his blood will be enough. And and, and so I just I just want to I, I want to shout that from the rooftops. Don't be afraid of a defeated enemy. Don't be afraid of a defeated enemy. Number two, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. That's why you don't have to be afraid of a defeated enemy. Nehemiah tells the people, he said, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And then the next thing he says is, is, is really what, what is just amazing to me. Number three, he says, fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives. And so we shortened it down and said, fight for your family. He instructs them. Nehemiah is one of the most prolific leaders in all of the Bible. And he instructs them, don't be afraid. Don't let fear get you. The second thing is remember the Lord. Know what he wants to be in this moment. And the third thing is fight for your family. Fight for your family. Fight for your natural family. Fight for your kingdom family. Be willing to put things on the line for your family. Is that all right? So then, I just want to ask this question, and I asked it last week and gave you a little bit of a synopsis, but why Build the wall. Why build the wall? What is the purpose of Nehemiah being so consumed with building the wall? What, why why is he so torn up about it? He, he you know he goes into his job as the cupbearer and man he's just torn up because the wall has been broken, and he, he he's pouring wine for the king and the king's like man what's going on I know you you've never been like this and he's like why would I not be afraid be why would I not be depressed. Look what's happening to my people. Look what's happening. And so God put something on the inside of him to rebuild the wall. Here's here's the reason that the walls are so important, okay? So let's go to
2: Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Actually, let me read Nehemiah
0: 4, 7, and 8 first, and then we'll go to Ezekiel. You don't have to go to Nehemiah. I'll, I'll read it. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to read two verses. Now, it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come attack Jerusalem to create confusion. Notice this, that the enemies, when they realized that the wall was being built and the gaps were being filled, that's when the enemy got mad that's when the enemy got tore up and and wanted to bring confusion. Are you with me? Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Let me read it again. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. The wall represents the ministry of intercessory prayer. It represents prayer. And so I I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. So I'm gonna read Ezekiel with the idea of what God
2: is trying to say to the prophet. So I sought for a man among them who would begin to pray and who would fill in the gaps that have been left open for prayer
0: and that they would stand, behalf, stand before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Let me read Nehemiah that way. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that prayer was beginning again in Jerusalem. And that they were filling the gaps in prayer. The gaps were beginning to close. That they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Could I write a headline for 2018, September the 9th? That when the enemy... Realizes that there's a company of people that want to get together and build something in prayer and close up gaps in churches and close up gaps in what we have called religion throughout the city. He gets mad and starts stirring things up. Right. And we 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 have to make a decision today. We have to make a decision. Are we gonna be afraid of the enemy? Are we going to be afraid of the enemy, or are we going to remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and will we fight for our family? Listen, one of the greatest things that the enemy wants to do is to stop a praying company. Period. Period. You say, man, this kind of sounds old-fashioned. That's okay. That's okay, because it's, it's, it's worked for year after year after year after year, there, there really is truth to the fact that if my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I would hear from heaven and I would heal them. I would forgive their sin and heal their land. I want you to understand today that we're talking about building something in this city for generation upon generation upon generation. I, I've told you from the very beginning, we're not interested in building a church, we're interested in building something that can be passed from generation to generation that looks like original intent and what God actually designed. Rebecca just walked us through that whole thing right there because men have put their hands on things that came from heaven and there's been hurt and there's been all of these different things that have come up because man puts his hand on that. And so I'm asking the Lord God, what would
2: it look like if you really raised up a company of people who would really build a wall in prayer what would that look like? What would that look like? By a show of hands, how many of you have
0: ever felt challenged in the place of prayer? Just let me see your hand. All over the place. Raise them high. Everybody raise your hand high. You felt challenged. Yeah. Almost 100%. Almost 100%. Why? Because you do more in the place of prayer than you do operating in your gift any day of the week. I don't know if we have a company that totally believes that, but that is absolutely the truth. You do more, we just did more praying for Mexico than we could being on the soil. Why? Because there's power in the agreement of prayer that takes place. That's, that's one of the things that, that, that I want us to understand, that when we get into those moments that you don't get locked in trying to look at what's happening. That you engage your heart and begin to agree with the words that are being stated, whether you understand them or not. I, I, I cannot, I cannot overstate the power of corporate prayer. Look here, there, here's just a few things that prayer does, and then I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this. First of all, prayer blocks the enemy. It blocks the enemy. Prayer protects the family. Prayer cultivates your relationship with God. It fills in the gaps. Everything that happens in your house should be covered with prayer. And everything that happens in this family should be covered in prayer. So, so, so here we have this place of symbolic intercession that, that, that's being built. Let me read verses 15 through 18 in Nehemiah. When, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to work on the wall. "'But from then on only half my men worked "'while the other half stood guard "'with spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. "'The leaders stationed themselves "'behind the people of Judah "'who were building the wall,' The laborers carried on their work with one hand, supporting their load, and on one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side, and the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Here, here's what I want you to understand. It's really easy for us to read this and hear about symbolic intercession, that, that this is symbolic to intercession. When I say that, you understand what I'm talking about, right? Types and shadows in the Old Testament feed us into what is happening in the body in the new testament are are, are you with me everything in the old testament is christocentric what that means is that everything that happens in the old testament is pointing us to jesus in its fulfillment right and so we become the body because of our covenant with jesus i want to also say this that when we talk about being the body of christ that doesn't stand just for america Do you understand that it's for the body of christ all right, so, so we, we obtain those promises that were given to Abraham, not because we're Americans, but because we're, we're in the body of Christ. Are you with me? Some people get that confused, and they think that, you know, the prophecies about Israel are about America, and that, that's just incorrect. That's not true. It's about the body of Christ. And, and, and so everything is pointing us to Christ in the New Testament, right? So symbolically, they're building a wall. Symbolically, they're working in one hand, they're fighting in the other hand when need be, and they're doing this for their family. Are you, are, are you with me? And so here's what I want you to understand, that when Jesus comes on the scene and releases the power of the Holy Spirit, warfare begins to look different for the spirit-filled believer. This is what I want you to understand, because we can sometimes look at intercession and, and, and we get these, mind, these pictures of, of what the intercessor looks like. Does anybody else do that? Listen, I, I'm, I'm so churchy and have been in church so long that y'all saw Rebecca laughing a while ago when she was doing the declaration. That's because at any moment in our house, a word can spark something from a song or a declaration that happened this morning. She said something to me and it sparked and I started quoting one of the declarations that we do over offering just like that. So, so, so I get these pictures of, of, of intercessors sometimes, right? And sometimes the picture that I have of the intercessor is, is that it's this, this lady who, who's wrapped in all these colorful flags. Y'all you know, ain't never seen this, are you? I'm talking about just, just walks in and, 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 and she's not playing about being the bride of Christ. She'll wear a wedding dress. <laughs> are y'all in here today? That's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> it's okay to laugh because this, this has happened, right? And so sometimes I picture the intercessor as, as, as the one who's, who's, who's maybe just a, a little different. And I'm, I'm totally okay with different. But sometimes I picture that. But the other thing I picture is that, man, the intercessor is that one that's just ah, all the time in prayer, right? And what I, well, the, the way that I was raised is I figured that, that growing up when I prayed, that the louder I got, the more authority I had. Anybody else? That, that's how you were raised? The louder you got, the more authority. I, yeah, y'all don't have to wave your hand. Some of you, I've heard you pray, and I know that's what you believe, right? <laughs> and and, and so, so I had all these ideas of what it was supposed to look like, and ultimately that was built in the idea of thinking that I could still work hard enough to make intercession more effective. Nobody ever thought that, right? That I could work harder, that man, if I if I sweated enough, and I yelled enough, and I did all of these different things, and I still do that, I still pray loud, I still, you know, I still do a lot of that, but what I'm learning is that my decibel level has nothing to do with the effect in heaven, right? And so one of the things we do is we think that we have to work for things, and and we maybe not know even how to pray or know what to pray or, or know how we should engage the enemy. And, and, and we, we think that we've got to do all these different things to make sure that the enemy knows who we are, right? And most of the time, the enemy is looking at us and saying, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And so what we have to do is we have to get our mind out of this idea that spiritual warfare looks like us working really hard. Here's what I want you to understand. You say, well, Pastor, Ryan, whatever you call me, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, you just told us that they're working in one hand and they're fighting in the other hand. I did, but watch this. I said they were doing it on the wall, which is from the symbolic place of prayer. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that in the New Testament, under the covenant of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit-filled believer never engages the enemy face to face. You can't find it. Why? I want you to go do a study in Ephesians and find out what Paul said to the Ephesians. He said, First of all, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's the first thing we have to understand. There was a spirit that was behind Sandbalad and Tobiah and and all of the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and, and all of the Ites, right? There's a spirit that was pushing them. So the first thing you have to understand is that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The second thing you have to understand is that you have been seated in heavenly places far above every principality and every power of wickedness. What are you saying, right? I'm saying that when the spirit-filled believer gets a real revelation of position, warfare begins to look totally different. See, what we wanna do is we wanna find a face to fight with. We wanna find a face and give it a name. And and that whole thing went through the church. You remember that? Where you can't pray for anybody until you identify the spirit and call that spirit's name out, right? You remember that? And so we got all these people go around. They know all these different spirit's names, but they haven't talked to the Holy Spirit in a day. I can't get no help. (laughs) Y'all know I'm telling the truth, though. We, we know all these spirits and, and pulled them out. I, I mean, I've heard it all, the Sanballat spirit, the Tobiah spirit. And listen, I'm not knocking that because I know that those spirits are existing. But what I'm saying is that there's a name that's been given to us that is above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I feel the old preacher coming on me today. So, we get into this place where we think we're going to fight because we have a face. And what I want you to understand is that you do more warfare being seated by Jesus than you do wrapping yourself in flags and screaming at the devil. I like flags, please. Don't nobody go out of here and say, I don't like flags. I like flags. I married a hippie. I have to. I have to. What I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at, though, is sometimes we put so much effort in trying to engage the enemy when what we really need to do is put effort in
2: engaging the ear of the one that we're seated next to. Listen, if I come to my wife and I say, baby, I need you to go get me this right here. Go do that.
0: Can you, can you handle that? She's going to turn around and look at me and like, What's she going to say, Victoria? Made it up. Made it up, right? But if I get down here, <laughs> see what I'm saying? See, if I get down here and I start, I start whispering and rubbing on her shoulder, I'm like, babe, could you, could you please, right? She's like, oh, yeah, hold on, right? Because the task is not nearly as important. Oh, can you hear me today? The task is not nearly as important as the one that I'm engaging. Right? And so, as the spirit filled believer, what we have to do is realize that there are gaps that happen in our wall of intercession because we try to engage, we try to engage the enemy thinking that our weapon is going to get it done. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? It means that I get more done in the seated position when I realize my position of authority toward the enemy and not even engage him. Have you ever heard the term don't punch down? You understand what that means? Don't go after people that are already below you. If you're going to punch, punch up. But guess what? There's nobody higher than the one that I'm talking
2: to. And so when I learn my position... As a seated believer on the wall of intercession, I get
0: way, 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 way more accomplished than I do trying to engage the enemy. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you're going to find that over and over again. They sent letters to Nehemiah saying, come out here and meet us, come out here and meet us so we can discuss what's going on. And Nehemiah responds and says, why would I come off the wall? Ooh, Jesus. Why would I come off the wall to come and engage you when I have a work that needs to be done? Then they do this. They say, you need to come down because the king has already stated that he's after you and he doesn't approve this. Here's their first problem. They forgot what Nehemiah's position was before he started building the wall. He was tending to the king and got the king's permission and then asked the king to pay for it. See, here's, here's what happens. The enemy wants to pull you off the place of prayer to engage you in battle so that you have to do things in your own power. But what you start in your own power, you have to then sustain by your own power. But if I can stay on the wall in prayer, I can accomplish things. Now, you have to understand who's talking to you. I, I want to fix everything and probably have five ideas on how to fix it before I ever come to it. I'm being serious. There are so many times I look back in my life, and the Lord will give me a word. Seriously, it's a word from the
2: Lord, and I immediately jump into action trying to fulfill it Ryan's way. When what I needed to do was stay on the wall. Seriously. And so Nehemiah says, "I I got got to step here.
0: I have to I have to fight, because this is the best position. Why is it the best position? Because it's an elevated position. My sight pattern is so much greater
2: when I'm elevated." than it is when I'm trying to look straight out and engage the enemy one-on-one. And that's why prayer
0: is such a difficult place, because the enemy knows that if you stay in that elevated position, then the lies that he throws at you, they have no ability to affect you
2: because your position is solidified next to Jesus. Jesus. So we, we fight from a place of higher
0: elevation. The fighting position and the spirit is always above.
2: They did all of this work. They did everything from the symbolic place of prayer and invitation.
0: Here's the issue. A prayerless church, a prayerless family is really what I want to say is the most vulnerable to attack. Had Nehemiah surrendered his position from the wall, he would have been more vulnerable and thus made the people more vulnerable for the attack of the enemy. When ultimately what they wanted to do was frustrate the purpose of the people and bring confusion, cause them to ask questions. And, And some of it worked, honestly, because they did. They started questioning
2: Nehemiah. Why are we doing this? Why, why are we here? Why, am I, why is this happening? I've had those moments. I remember one time I went in. I was pastoring,
0: uh, well, the only other church that I've pastored, and, and <clears throat> we were in this little A-frame building, and just to be quite honest, boy, I was just ticked off. I don't really know how else to say it. I was heated. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of good things <clears throat> that were happening, but then there were there were there was opposition and there was different things going on. And so I went in, and uh, you remember last week I talked about having to come to Jesus meeting. Y'all ever have come to Jesus meetings with your family, right? Where you sit down and you're like, okay, look, this is what you've been doing, and you're not fixing to do that one more second. <laughs> you, you know I'm talking about? You know what a come to Jesus meeting is. I mean, we're 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 good about it. we we're, we're gonna give you choices but the choice is going to end up that you're not going to do that one more second. You know, you can either listen here or you can listen outside when, you know, you know, come to Jesus meetings. You ever had those, you know what I'm saying?
2: So I went in and I had to come to Jesus meeting with Jesus. Right. And I talked to him and, and,
0: and it's so amazing because I, I learned in that moment how not afraid of my questions
2: he was. Right. I learned in that moment how, how secure he really was. Because, I mean, I
0: talked to him for real. And I was like, look, this is what you said. This is what I heard you say. And I don't see none of it. Right? And, I mean, we just we, we talked for a good while. And I was in the seated position, but it was up against the wall, up against a stone wall. Just waiting, you know, I figured that was the best backdrop. If he's going to strike me or something, it,
2: you know, no, I'm joking. joking. A little bit. So the people started questioning Nehemiah. And we've
0: done that, right? Sometimes we question, why are we here? Why are we doing this? You said this, but I thought you said this. Probably the most quoted uh, thing that God hears, but I thought you said this. And if you said this, then why? Anybody ever prayed that? I, I've prayed it enough for all of you if you haven't. So they start questioning, and that's when he says, don't be afraid of the enemy. See, most of the time when you get into something like that where you start getting all in your feels and, 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 and you know, your emotions are running wild and, and, and you're, you're like, I thought you said this, and now I'm, I'm angry and I'm here. Do you know that most of the time, well, really every time, it's because somehow you've allowed fear to come in? you're afraid of something you're afraid of missing something you're 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 afraid of of a response from someone you, you're you're afraid of of it not looking the way that you dreamed it up in your mind that's a big one and so when you get that way most of the time it's because fear comes in and that's what was happening to them and they were so excited when they were building the wall and there was no opposition. Yes, we're going to build our heritage and we're going to do this. But the minute opposition comes, why are we here? Why are we doing this? They've already said they're going to attack. They said they're coming this way. And we're not even
2: going to see them coming. Nehemiah just asked time to say, don't be afraid of the enemy. And I would add to that, don't even listen to the enemy.
0: And there have been so many times where it's happened and I have to go back and I have to say, okay, God, where did I let fear come in and what am I afraid of in this moment? You
2: know I do that when I parent my children. I do it in my marriage. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of losing? What
0: am I afraid of, of not happening here? What am I afraid of when, when, I, when it causes me to respond and I get all in my feelings and all of that stuff? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of rejection? Am I afraid of of, uh, humiliation? What what is it that I'm afraid of? And so Nehemiah has to come along and he says, listen, don't be afraid of the enemy. As a matter of fact, remember the Lord who's great and glorious. See, what God always does, he never asks you to give him something without him giving you something in return, right? Right? If you'll give him your life, he'll give you eternal life. You understand the picture? And so he says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And then he says, man, there's something worth fighting for. Fight for your family. And so they do it from the place of prayer because the prayerless family is the one that is most vulnerable to attack. More than that, when there are gaps in the wall of prayer, it's an open invitation to the enemy and actually gives him entry to
2: the inside of the family. It actually invites him into the family when there are gaps in the place of prayer. I want to tell you today, and I, I'm not going to go deep into this,
0: but I just want to, I, I want to throw this out there. There can be no substitute for climbing the mountain of God's presence in the place of prayer. There can be no substitute. You can't listen to enough podcasts. You can't read enough Bible. You can't have enough good, healthy conversation to negate the fact that you have to engage in the place of prayer. I no substitute, no substitute. They had their tool in one hand, their weapon in the other hand, and both were being used from the place of prayer. And here's the neat thing. At this point, the wall was only half built. The wall was only half built. What does that say? It tells me that I cannot wait for circumstances to be just right to engage in prayer. Well, won't we do it? Won't we, man, and just as soon as this happens, and this lines up, and then that, and that, boy, I'm going to pray. Seriously, man, when I stop being busy, and I stop doing this, I'm telling you, I'm coming. I'm coming to prayer meeting. I'm doing it. I'm going to make prayer in my house when this lines up and that lines up. Listen, listen, don't despise the fact that he loves just talking to you on your drive to work. He loves talking to you 15, 20, 30-second prayers. He just wants to know, can you engage really
2: in this continual conversation with him? I want to say this.
0: I am a huge proponent for private devotional prayer. Is there anybody in here that could question as to whether or not that I am for private devotional prayer? Seriously, you could have a question in your mind. I, don't, I, I really don't know if Ryan wants us to have a devotional life or, or pray. Is, is there any? I just want to make sure. I am a huge proponent of that. However, we must not neglect the importance of the corporate prayer meeting. We just did stuff in Mexico that we can't do on our own because we had corporate agreements. We cannot neglect the importance of the corporate prayer meeting. There is so much power in agreement, in in, in corporate family prayer. It literally shifts governments, releases healing into the atmosphere, ushers in restoration, and opens prison doors and stops the plans of the enemy. I I, want to say this, and I I skipped over this earlier, and I don't even know why. I just jumped over it, but... uh, let me find where I wrote it because it's better. Yeah, okay. One of the greatest needs in the family of God is for the intercessor to take their place and understand their value. I've heard so many people say, I'm, I'm just an intercessor. I'm just an No, 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 no. You are the one who fills the gaps. When we step into intercession, I am the one who fills in gaps in the wall that's being built this was the wall not the temple i don't i don't even i'm not even going into the fact that the temple was being rebuilt i'm telling you the first thing we have to do is to rebuild the wall of prayer in the body in our
2: state in our city and in our nation You have to see the importance of the wall
0: of intercession that holds gates i'm gonna i promise you i know i keep saying this but i'm gonna teach you about the gates that are connected to this wall but the thing i want you to understand is that there can be no gates if there's not a wall to hold them and so what intercession does is it prepares us to go into gates that give us entrance to the inside and I'm telling you, the gates are significant, but the wall is so significant that we build a wall in prayer. We've got to, listen, we have to stop making excuses for not praying. That's just all there is to it. And there's no condemnation. Please hear me. There's no condemnation, but we have to stop making excuses as to why we don't engage in corporate prayer, period. We have to stop making excuses as to why we don't engage in corporate prayer. And please, I'm not just talking about Wednesday night. God forbid. I want you to come, but you know what I want? I want you to start a corporate prayer meeting in your house and invite somebody over to pray. Invite somebody over just to worship. Invite somebody over where the basis is climbing the hill of God's presence. There's other pockets that are doing it throughout the city. I get it. But what I'm saying is for awakening to fulfill her destiny and for us to do what God has called us in the city, we have
2: to build the wall of prayer and we have to be the watchmen that tend it. Ian Bounds, one of the
0: the greatest voices on prayer, period. He said this. He said, the praying which makes prayerful ministry is not little praying put in as we flavor to give it a pleasant smack. But the praying must be done in the body and form the blood and bones. Prayer is no petty duty put into a corner, no piecemeal performance made out of the fragments of time which have been snatched from business and other engagements in life. But it means that the best of our time, the heart of our time, and strength must be given. You hear what he's saying? You can't take the fragments of your day and say, oh, here, I'm just going to engage for a few minutes. This is what I have left. And expect
2: to build a wall. That can be sustained where watchmen can stand on the wall and say this is what I'm hearing this is what I'm seeing this is what I'm doing I'm done
0: I just want to give you some New Testament context for this that Jesus stepped in to the role of intercessor before he ever got to heaven We know that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I, but he stepped into the role of intercessor before he ever got there. John 17, I come to you, Holy Father, through your name. Keep through your name those whom you have given to me that they may be one as we are one. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. I could go on and on, but go read John chapter 17 where Jesus is talking to the Father and he talks about the things
2: that they talked about before time began and he moves into this place of intercession. Trying to teach the disciples. Could you not tarry for an hour
0: in prayer? Listen, this isn't, this isn't the stuff that... that, that that ever, this is where I wish I had a whole room full of intercessors because they'd be going crazy right now. But this isn't the stuff that, that, that makes us real happy when we start talking about what we have to do to engage. But guess what? We can continue to sit back and not do that, and we're going to get the same thing over and over and over again that we've always gotten. Or we can choose that it's time for us to put a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other hand and get in the place of prayer so that we could build something for another generation and that we would model Jesus as the intercessor. See, that's where it's at. It's always his goodness that leads us to these things. I can talk to you about this because I know it's been the number one
2: place of fight for me is consistent prayer. You can get so busy
0: doing ministry. You can get so busy doing family. You can get so busy doing life, but I found out I do all of that so much better when this is right. Are you with me? And he's calling us. He's calling you. He's calling you. There are some of you that are in here that you carry the mantle of intercession. I hear it when you open your mouth. I hear it when you talk. It moves me to my core when you begin to release the things that are on the inside of you. It's because he's gifted you in that place. And I want you to feel value. And I want you to know that as prayer goes, so goes awakening. There's never, ever been a move of God throughout history. You go study every revival. There's never been a move of God that did not start with intentional prayer. Never. And it may have been spontaneous, but it became intentional immediately because they realized that something was stirring. I don't know when I'm going to jump into these gates and talking to you about this, but I'm I'm just going to share this one thing. The very first gate that they hang on this wall, it's the same place where the waters were still being stirred in the New Testament. They started
2: something in Nehemiah's time in prayer and hung a gate that would
0: become Solomon's porch and that people would be healed and that would have angelic activity all the time, stirring the waters, stirring the waters, and it opened a portal for Jesus to be able to walk in and say, do you want to be healed? You Cannot underestimate what happens in prayer. You cannot underestimate what He
2: does when you when He hears your voice in the place of prayer. It's powerful. It's powerful. And that's what He's asking. Will you fill in the gaps? I don't want Him to look at our generation
0: and say, "I sought for a man or a woman." Who would build a wall and who would fill in the gaps but they were too busy and they had the greatest excuses anybody's ever heard and they had to do this and they had to do that I don't I, I don't want to be that I don't want him to say Ryan you were so good and a lot of things but man you missed it here I don't want to hear him say that and he's giving us a grace He's releasing a grace to us right now to rebuild the wall of prayer and intercession so that we would fight for our family. That's how you fight for your family. You have prodigals, get on the wall. You want to see the word of the Lord that's been given over your life come to pass, get on the wall. You want to see families come together Get on the wall and don't come down to engage the enemy in fighting. You want to see depression broken? You want to see addiction broken? You want to see
2: pornography broken? Get on the wall. And if you want to see revival, come to a city and a nation. And if you want to see Louisville become the most safe city in America, get on the wall. Get on the wall. He's asking us. He's giving us a grace to get on the wall. And guess what? We don't have to wait till we get it all right. We can
0: just get on half of it right now and continue to build and fight from the place of prayer and intercession. Is that all right? Let's stand. God, we love you today. We thank you. You all could just start some soft music. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, God, for what you've already done. The place of intercession in this place today. So we just say that we're we're here for you, and we open ourselves up. Come on, would you just right now? Would you just, uh, if you're feeling that, just begin to in your seat, make a recommitment to take your place on the wall. Just begin to do that. Just open your mouth, and if you don't, that's fine. This is not some emotional thing. My goodness, I, I, I don't that, that, I don't want you to think that at all. But if you're feeling some conviction
2: to get on the wall again. <coughs> You're feeling some conviction. Just to submit again.
0: I just want you to I want you to do that just right where you're at. God, we just say yes again. We say yes again. We say we don't want to be the king of excuses.
2: We don't want to be the one who makes it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Jesus, Jesus, God, I pray for strength. Pray for strength. I pray to God that that as a body, we would begin to value the intercessor correctly. We'd begin to value the place of intercession correctly. God, we, we would begin to value the view from the wall of intercession. That the prophetic destiny is realized
2: by those who take their place on the wall. God, we pray that there would be a place where incense arises to your throne.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, we we repent. I repent for cooperating with tactics of the enemy that would choose to bring me off the wall. God, I repent for agreeing with tactics that would hijack prayer. God, I repent for agreeing with the enemy and causing silence to happen, even in my own heart and in my own life. God, I'm asking, I'm asking you
2: to release, release the grace of the intercessor in this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't want to ever take our place off of the wall.
0: We want to have a realization of the position
2: that you have us in for prayer. We're asking God. We're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to move through this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Come on, just grab the hand of the person beside you. Just, just let, let's get into it. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us at Seventeen Twenty Five Research Drive in Louisville, Kentucky, or online at AwakeningKY.com.